This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And I'm here, as always, uh, with Maxwell Vogue. Hi, Max. Hey, Joris. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. I got my 3dprint.com uh, swag t-shirt on. I'm, I'm ready for some podcasting. Who do, who do we got okay. today? <laughs> so today uh, we have Sumit Jain. So welcome to the show, uh, Sumit. Hello, Joris. Hello, Max. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. How are you We're doing, well, Sumit? we're all. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, Beautiful perfect, perfect. day in, in Philadelphia. We are uh, over eight inches of snow in the last 24 hours, but uh, I'm staying warm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's good to say. We, we're learning to appreciate very small things nowadays, right? Like water yeah. and heating and <laughs> walking and going to stores. It's a, it's an exercise. I think it's an exercise in humility for all of us. I think. Uh, <laughs> last last year has definitely uh, brought a lot of us to 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 you know humility and and grounded. I would say. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So Sumit joins us from Arkema or Arkema. Uh, Arkema is a really, really large polymer company. And they've been active in um, 3D printing for a number of years, especially well, initially in the, uh, the Sartamera business, which is a, a resins uh, a resin uh, business. And now they've actually expanded into pellets and uh, filament type products for FDM mm-hmm. and also powders for uh, sintering or powder bed fusion. One of them that really fascinates me is when I have a keychain, uh, and that keychain is actually of, uh, it's an Arkema keychain that you guys gave to me at one point, and it's a real song uh, keychain. So real song is polyamide 11 or PA11, mm-hmm. and it's made out of castor beans. So yeah, just tell me a little bit more about real song because that really fascinates me uh, as a polymer. Yeah, so real song is a is a is a I would say one of the flagship materials we have within Arkema. It is very different from other uh, polyamides that you see or powders that you see for laser sintering, like PA6 and PA12. Uh, it's the, the little chemistry difference, and I don't want to go a lot technical on you, between 11 and 12 gives us, gives PA11 actually a lot interesting elasticity and ductility properties compared to 12, which leads it to a much uh, high performance material on top of that, it is 100% bio-based. Uh, it comes out of uh, castor beans. We actually, as Arkema, uh, we work with the farmers in Asia to actually help them grow the beans, uh, give them a lot of, uh, I would say, agro-science uh, expertise. Uh, so we continue to have uh, growth in production. And, and this is a flagship material for us that continues to grow and we are actually, uh, well, three years, four years back, we invest. Uh, we made an uh, investment of nearly three hundred million dollars to expand our production of this particular grade out of Asia. So, is wow. the materials made from a biomass of of these beans? Is it compostable though? So it is recyclable. It's not truly compostable because okay. uh, the the so-called building blocks come from uh, castor oil. Okay. But uh, once you polymerize them, then then it's a long uh, chain. It, yeah, yeah, it becomes a long chain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but and why did you guys do this? I mean, it sounds it sounds like you know is is this is this something cuddly for you guys? Is it like a heal the world or something? Or is this something that you really believe in? Is in is it is like an engineering possibility? Let's say. So, Arkema, uh, if if we you know there are 
couple of big themes that are that are uh, driving our strategy and our innovation portfolio and sustainability is is number one uh, we we are a lot of uh, across all all markets we serve 3d printing is just one of them we are striving to develop uh, sustainable solutions we actually were recently in the uh, DAO, we included in the DAO Sustainability Index, which is a huge accomplishment. It's kind of a recognition of how uh, big efforts Arkema has a company made uh, towards developing sustainable material solutions. And Rilsan is definitely one of the flagship ones, uh, one of the most prominent ones, but we have uh, other materials, uh, even like, for example, within Satomer portfolio, which makes liquid resins, which are known to be notorious for its, uh, I would say, uh, you know, HES properties or, or health and, and safety properties. We have a grade called, uh, a, a full product line called SAR Bio, which again comes from bio-based uh, raw materials and is, is very environmental friendly and, and is sustainable. And, and are you seeing people changing? Like, I mean, for me, like Rilson is, is one of the PA11 grades you could turn on, mainly on the PA11, right? Uh -huh. uh, you can turn to. And uh, are you seeing people choosing for this material in 3D printing because it's more sustainable? Or is, is that a driving uh, for your customers as well? Or I would say uh, it is not the, the number one driver. I think it is all things being same or all things being equivalent uh, people prefer uh, sustainable grade materials what we are seeing is though in certain industries and in with certain leaders in the industries this sustainability is actually now becoming a trend you know especially in in consumer goods especially in in you know some of the i would say medical applications this is becoming a driving factor and people would go after it especially you know i would say in, in consumer goods sustainability is a big trend are you guys playing at all with like bpa uh, or any of the the C compostable type materials we, on the FDM uh, side. <laughs> <laughs> um, not uh, specifically on if if you're asking specifically on the FDM side, uh, we do not have I would say right now a a good uh, project or a program to drive that sustainable uh, or our fully compostable solutions. But both on the powder bed side and liquid resin science, we are actually actively working towards those kind of solutions. Uh, not fully compostable per se, but I would say uh, bringing in uh, uh, maybe 50% recyclability, 60% recyclability, which is much better than what we currently have. So it's, it's yeah. I would right. no, steps so towards fully compostable. But also fully compostable right. is a, it's, it's not like a, a, an idea. It's a very, it's a like rather tightly defined thing, right? It needs to kind of completely return to the earth within yeah. 30 days, something like that. It needs to, so, so that's, you know, a lot of it's PLA. Not so the time, but it's also like the, the colorant is also an issue as well. Even if you get a compostable material like PCL, for example, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. if your colorant isn't compostable, then only 80% yeah. will decompose. So yeah. And, and I think one it's of a problem. The, it's hard. <laughs> it, 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 it's technically hard. It's technically hard. And you want to do it. Uh, as we know, one of the key challenges with 3D printing is like, you know, having things production grade, right? Not don't do it for marketing purposes. And I think that's, that's the key thing right. is do it and do it with a economic and and a process footprint that is actually industrializable. Now also being the big benefits, I think, in a, in a, in a large thing. And if we're looking at, well, if we're looking at just the, if we stick with the centering thing, the, the other thing that really, really fascinates me is PEC. Uh, mm -hmm. Peak, right, or the peak family of PEAK, right, family of uh, materials is very, very in demand. 
it's uh-huh. one of the materials that, that remain if you have very high uh, CST or continuous service temperature. Uh-huh. They're low flame, low toxicity. Uh-huh. Um, they're very strong materials. So there's a lot of demand for it. And the brand name is Peak, like, and that's P-E-K, <laughs> right? And, uh, it's great. It gets better with Pekka Kek and uh, <laughs> all those other ones as well. <laughs> yeah, so, so what's Peck and, and how does it compare? That's, that's kind of my question, Peak, which is P-E-K, and, and PEC actually are, are very different in chemistry. PEC is actually much uh, higher continuous use temperature compared to peak. Uh, and uh, Arkema capstan grade, which is PEC, which is polyether ketone ketone, has a continuous use temperature of uh, nearly 260 degrees Celsius and is definitely for, uh, you know, applications which have... Uh, uh, outstanding mechanical wear and, and impact uh, requirements, uh, especially aerospace and automotive grades. And uh, we we actually have this particular grade of material available both in the sintering uh, as a powder form uh, for uh, sintering uh, uh, use, as well as in filament form for, for FTM. And then this is definitely one of our uh, most latest innovations uh, uh, in terms of introducing a new material for the for the 3D printing industry. One of the biggest problems with, with these these materials, or peak especially, and a lot of these other materials on sintering, is the recyclability rate is zero. So just for the initiated, like, um, usually you can recycle, you'll throw out half of your powder, right? Yep. Which yep. Is, uh, and then just about that. It depends a lot on how many parts and where you put them and all this other stuff. But typically you'll throw out about half. And then the supporting powder, the stuff that you don't uh, sinter, uh, remains and you can sieve it and you can use it again to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, with with a lot of these high performance products, on the, uh, you need a special printer so, uh, mm-hmm. for males, mm-hmm. which is much more expensive. And then also you have zero recyclability, so you throw away the whole build. Mm-hmm. Uh, so imagine you have a, a build of this machine that's quite large; it's going to be very very expensive. How's the recyclability on 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 PEC on on, on these kind of sintering applications? So uh, PEC is is actually much easier to print than PEAK. So in terms of uh, just like waste and yields is actually better than PEAK. But uh, you're right in terms of, uh, you know, overall bad recyclability, uh, this is, I would say, same as, as some of the other high performance. So there, there is definitely room for improvement there. One of the interesting things I like about PEC is not only, it, it, okay, supposedly it's easier to, to handle. I think... <laughs> I think on a FDM platform, I've tried it. I think it is much easier to print an FDM. I've tried it on several different machines. I think it's much easier to print an FDM than, than, than Peak does. We, uh-huh. we have less problems with crystallization. We have less problems with uh, this specking. Uh-huh. I don't know what you would call that, but it's just black spots that appear all, the, the, uh, all over. And we have uh-huh. less problems with this thing, this brown sugar idea, where you print this really expensive material and you end up with something that has kind of like looks like you're baking it and it kind of crumbles. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I've had less failures with 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 PEC than with PEAK. And, and why is that actually? Why is that? Uh, that's, a, that's a great, uh, I would say, uh, question. I would say I'm not the technical expert who can, who can right. really answer the why part. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the key is in terms of how the, when you center it, how the, the aggregation happens, right? So the chemistry is, is fundamentally different, right? That, that's what I was trying to get to is like the backbone is fundamentally different. And when you actually center it, which is the melting process, you get much better interlayer or interparticle adhesion. And, and that is driven by chemistry. Again, actual, uh, the physics part of it, I, I would say I should pass on that. I'm just not the technical no, expert no. there. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs>
No, that's fine. I mean, I think I think, and also what we're seeing is that there's less distortion and heat distortion uh, that the impact as well. Typically, it would also depend on the fill grades and stuff like that. But, but so it's a really interesting. I think um, what I also like is the fact that that there are better grades of PEC coming on the market now that have really different properties and stuff. Like that. Are you experimenting with that, or are you really trying to drive people to one grade of PEC for one for all applications, or are you trying to experiment with different uh, grades and stuff like that? You know, in general, I think we understand that each application may need some sort of customization, uh, mm -hmm. whether it may be on the particle size, it may be on the fillers, it may be on the on, you know, minor uh, variations in the in the chemistry. So we, we are always uh, customizing materials, whether it's pack or, or other grades or, or the next dimension resins to meet the end applications. Uh, we believe we have a good starting portfolio to to drive a lot of applications but that is a, a continuous innovation that pack pbacks relsan we are we are investing a lot of uh, resources in in continuing to innovate on those on those base uh, chemistries i would say i think one of the interesting things i think also about pack is that it's kind of like we're used to having like what is it sem uh, crystalline and or semi crystalline and and amorphous but Peck can also have amorphous and crystalline properties and be expressed, essentially kind of be expressed in both different ways. That is is that also an, is, is that something exciting for you? Or is that, or is that just like interesting because, hey, that's new? Or is that something that people are looking for? It's actually what it allows us to is it allows you to access a much broader mechanical properties, right? Or, or, or general part properties. And, and especially when it, when it comes to the filament extrusion, you can actually even tune the material uh, to have post crystallization so it, it allows what from our perspective as a as a material innovator or especially materials company it allows us to have a, a material that is almost uh, can be tuned to an application uh, are people asking for it people ask for properties people don't say okay they want multiple properties coming out of the same material but as as you mentioned it it does allow us to uh, tune the material uh, or have the tunability in the material to meet the specific requirements. Uh, it is it is very unique from that perspective. I don't think there is other polymers that really do that. No, uh, well, I think to me, well, for 3D printing, at least it's the first time I've encountered something like that. And I thought it was really exciting because the idea would be that it's like, you know, it's kind of gradient ready or something, you know what I mean? Or you could have like, <laughs> well, what I loved about it is that theoretically you could make th parts that could break off, for example. Or yep. you could make parts that could, uh, uh, but you could make support from the material, which would be very expensive to do. But but you can make a support from the material, or you can make a crumple zone in the material, or something. And I don't know what we would do with like something like that, or if we were precise enough to actually engineer that kind of stuff in a printer at the moment. But I thought it was very exciting. Like it was one of these like kind of like whoa, these kind of like thought experiment kind of things to me. Yes, uh, I think uh, there is a lot of possibilities uh, to leverage this unique attribute, which are yet not explored. I would say not explored in great detail, but I think everything that you are saying that when you have ability to have, you know, control crystallinity or, or amorphous nature within a, a single material, right, through either post-processing or during print, based on how you print it, as you said, you know, having easily detachable supports, having you know, breakpoints, or even having tunable properties within a, a specific domain. I think all those are possibilities. It's, it's again, at the end of it, the material and the printer would have to work together, right? At the end of the day, it's an ecosystem. And I think there is a lot to be explored in there in terms of how we can even 
look at the machine uh, to really leverage the most out of the material capabilities. Yeah. And there's this interesting thing is like similar to peak PEC can also potentially be implanted in the body. We're seeing very different strategies companies have like Victrex saying there's a very special grade of the material. You can't have it, um, uh, <laughs> but only we can make parts. That's Victrex's strategy. They're literally going to make medical parts and they have this separate kind of unit. Then other mm -hmm. people like I think Solvay is selling it directly. Mm -hmm. Hey, you can buy medical grade uh, material. Other companies say we're not going to put it on the market because that's uh, scary. What, what are you guys thinking about this implant? Because that's the patient specific implants with PEC would be very exciting, I think. Yes, I think uh, it, it, it is an exciting application. I think as Arkema, we, we have an internal uh, policy on medical use of our, of our materials mm -hmm. and we take this extremely seriously uh, because of, you know, any any mistake in when it comes to material or printer or or post processing could have a, a tremendous impact. So at this stage, we are not selling or any of these materials for for implant grade. Uh, but medical applications are broader than implant grade applications. So if that is, you know, I would say outside of body as a as a casting material or things that like class that. Class one, class two. Yeah, I think those kind of applications we pursue, but implantable applications, I think, uh, is something that we are not pursuing currently. I think I understand. I mean, I think I think it's one of those precautionary principle things. Maybe I mean, there's these problems with these these polypropylene meshes in the body, which is just a terrible idea. But they didn't think so at the time. Kind of, like, I understand. There's like. You know, the undo is very difficult if somebody has a skull implant as well. It's like, there's no, yeah, yeah. Not, not to mention the cost and upfront effort. I mean, it's a good yeah, uh, eight to 10 yeah. years to a class three cost, uh, approval. Cost, upfront effort, uh, you know, ability to yeah. go back. And, and as a, as a specialty materials company, I guess the other challenge that we have is, is, is really understanding on that particular application expertise, right? When it comes to consumer applications or aerospace and automobile, we have a lot of history of, we have tremendous application expertise, but historically, right. since we have not participated in the medical uh, applications, especially implantable ones, I would say, just I'm specifically talking of Arkema, I think we are being extra cautious. Oh, no, that totally makes sense. Totally understand, totally understand. Yeah. There's one thing to make a leg that, brace. Yeah. Sorry, as you said, it's yeah, one thing exactly. to make a leg brace, it's another thing to make a hip. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and there's also, there's problems like in printing, we also know the problem with cobalt chrome and stuff like that. So, there, there, yeah. you know, there, there's a history there as well, but that, that I think it's, it's good to be cautious, I think. Um, but yeah, huge opportunity as well. But another opportunity also for the same PEC material is in space where uh, I'm seeing it crop up ten and again uh, in space applications. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's one of the polymers that gets used in a space application because like, I think, I think there's, there's also very low off-gassing, I guess. Yep. Would also be very important for them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, are, are you excited about that? Because I think that would be a big, a big opportunity as well. Absolutely, we are. We are certainly excited about that, and I think uh, both the need grade and and some of the fill grade have some interesting application. As in, obviously, first of all, is just a very broad use temperature, uh, mm -hmm. uh, excellent properties, right? And and it is virtually resistant to all chemicals, right? So th I think those are certain attributes that mm -hmm. that really make it amenable for for those mm -hmm. really stringent mm -hmm. conditions that you may encounter in yeah. space. So. Right. so yeah. Certainly, very excited yeah. about that application. Also, also, it's it's not it's resistant to jet fuel, which is one of the things that like Altem isn't. <laughs> which I've always thought is like it's not a very good idea. <laughs> 
Sorry yeah, to yeah. all the Sabic people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's interesting. I, I think it's really exciting. And I think, you know, for people working with these materials, it is going to be a lot more difficult than other materials. On the sintering side, the cost picture is really d difficult. And on the FDM side, with the current generation of, of high temperature printers, that's it's it's very, um, yeah, it's, I think it's a very, very difficult thing to do to get started with these materials. But I think, yeah, PEC is, I think, is really exciting. Another one I think mm -hmm. I'm really excited with, with no one else is, <laughs> like, so is, is PVDF. And mm -hmm. PVDF for me is really excited because I don't know, because uh, I'm really excited about flow and flow applications. And, mm -hmm. uh, and for me, the chemical resistance of PVF, uh, I think, I think, uh, another one I don't want, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a really high performance material. So, so and mm -hmm. a lot of times it can like mimic like the kind of performance you would get from uh, Peck and Peak and 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 Ultem, mm -hmm. but at a much much more, a lower price and mm -hmm. much easier to print. So I mm -hmm. love it as a material. Uh, I use a whole bunch of from 3D for makers, which they they, they, they make it. So it's it's a really good material. And I think I think I think the the the, the poor man's peak is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know if that's your poor your marketing people won't be happy with that one. They, but, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, first of all, thank you for for uh, such a, a positive validation. It is a different material than peak or pack, but as you said, it has some very very interesting properties uh, that that are not. Uh, I, I would say in some cases uh, uh, similar, but in in many cases also different than than peak or or pack. Like uh, it is very non-hygroscopic so like the no it is a very dry filament and and mm -hmm. from a storage and the end part perspective that's a that's a very unique thing for for pvdf just because of the the the, the fluoride uh, part of it. it it's a very very dry material as a result of it it also you know pvdf or kynar was actually not developed for 3d printing application it was developed for actually exterior coating applications and the reason for that it it is extremely uv resistant material so the product that you make out of it does not have any aging because it does not have water and it is uv resistant so it is very unique uh, from that perspective that it uh, the applications where those criteria could be important the other piece that i want to kind of mention of, of about uh, pvdf uh, which could be critical for the applications is very low smoke and and flame uh, characteristics right so it is uh, it could be amenable for FST applications too. So if you look at it right from a property mapping perspective, I don't think there are many polymers out there which are non-hygroscopic, have very high UV resistance, have great abrasion, and have low smoke and toxicity too. So it, it really allows it to be in, in used in applications where where you know most of the other materials cannot even meet the uh, performance criteria. Yeah, I love it. I love it for flow because I think I really identified flow, just any kind of flow treatment as, as mm -hmm. kind of a really exciting area for 3D printing. It's very quickly growing mm -hmm. because it's not like a vertical or an industry or something. People don't really see it. But if, if, if we just improve the flow characteristics, like, in a, you know, from a polymer yep. plant, if you just optimize it just a teeny weeny bit, the output is going to be so much more and so much uh, it's going to have, have so much impact on the company. So I think yeah, I like the idea of using flow and I know also flow is that I know that I know that happened to know that PVDF is used as flow kind of, kind of parts for uh, industrial processing at the moment. And these are 3d printed parts. So that's very exciting, but it's one of those things that, you know, they're not going to put out a press release, you know, <laughs> you know, and the nuclear industry uses it a lot as well. And that's, they're not really into press releases generally. So, um, yep. you know, so I think, that, that's why I think that's one of my 
it's really exciting. It's like a totally underused material, you know, especially combined to a lot of people if you're working with, um, you know, in a kind of like uh, hydraulics or, or mm-hmm. things like that. The idea of mm-hmm. doing polymer hydraulics right. uh, is not Ooh. something that a lot of people yeah, think that, of. That, uh, yeah. That would be cool. And, hey, that's a good one, Jars. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> no, it's, it's light as hell as well. Uh, anyway, but, it is, it is but, very light, flowable, and I, I think you, you, you are onto something. I think we believe the application potential for this particular material, especially related to 3D printing, has not been realized yet. It, it's, 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 we are scratching the surface. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. And another another material, I think I think we don't uh, we we definitely don't really use very much in uh, in in just the FDM world or just mm-hmm. printing is PMMA, mm-hmm. which I think you know a lot of people don't really use it and don't really maybe you've heard of it maybe maybe you know but I I've never I've never personally I've never used it for anything but that's 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 another one. <laughs> what, what, what's uh, so special about it? What what is why do you like it? <laughs> I don't know. I just like I never use it. I don't. <laughs> so uh, why, I, do you guys, I, why do you guys even have it? Uh, I can I can tell you why we like it. Maybe that will trigger some uh, use uh, uses for you. So PMMA uh, is is one of the m- most uh, light uh, transparent materials out there right it is if you look at like conventional application it is used in all majority of automotive tail lights right because it has that uh, uv resistant as well as high transparent or high transparency properties why you would use it for 3d printing so the thing is, okay, uh, I, they, are there applications where transparency is important? Yes, there are, right? Light fixtures and, and even, even when we look into some of the prototyping applications and we talk about, uh, uh, we were talking about microfluidics, right? Uh, transparency could mm-hmm. be an important attribute in, in applications like those. But mm-hmm. the challenge has been uh, because of the, the inherent nature of the, of the material, it mm-hmm. is really not... Currently, uh, as of today, it's not amenable for sintering kind of applications. So FDM mm-hmm. becomes the only platform where we can potentially use that material. But mm-hmm. we all know the because of the interlayer uh, adhesion and interlayer. Right, the light won't come through the, as well. The, the <laughs> transparency part is lost, right? Yeah. So now you have a material whose main attribute is transparency and you lost it because of the... Yeah technique you are using but what the, yeah. what we have done and the grade that has been commercialized is actually it has very little transparency loss because of the interlayer and the kind of interlayer addition we can get with this particular grade if you have not seen it i'll, I'll certainly can share offline we have made actually light fixtures out of it and you can yeah. you'll be impressed by the kind of transparency we can get in an fdm printed part so that's where i would say it has unique applications it also has you know mechanical properties like if you look into uh, artificial teeth uh, mm-hmm. it has actually the mechanical properties to get to get that kind of applications uh, mm-hmm. obviously nobody we have to get to uh, there's a lot of from as get a back to medical print, stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is used in con, through conventional uh, processing it is used in right. that application mm-hmm. but having a 3d printable version of it is still is still not there but just wanted to kind of highlight some of the unique mm-hmm. attributes it has and and the yeah. grade we have i don't think there is any other material that i know of which is an fdm or sintering uh, material which is transparent obviously there's a lot of liquid resins that can be transparent uh, mm-hmm. But but not uh, not that we know of anything which is in the FDM. So if there are applications that that uh, are they, where that uh, attribute is required, I think you should definitely consider it. 
So for like light piping or something like that, you could Absolutely. you could three D print a light pipe. Is it dependent yeah. on the printer in order to use your material to get it, or is it a standard FDM printer will work? Like what? One of my home desktop ones do it. <laughs> uh, we should try it. I don't think we have. We can say we have tried all of them, but we have tried a bunch of them in our in our labs, and it it seems to work uh, for for most of them. Oh, cool. So, but I cannot make a general statement that it works. No, no, no. Yeah, I get that. Each printer is different. And <laughs> not a good idea. I just, yeah, you're right. <laughs> if my cupcake yeah, maker right. bot will it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Do you have yeah, one? No. Do you I have one? one? No. Oh, okay. No. I, I gave it away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had one. <laughs> yeah. Damn it! That's like another exhibit from my 3D printing museum out the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That's interesting. Um, and I think. Uh, that's I did, the the PMA one. I really didn't get. I really didn't understand. <laughs> so I thought that that was really cool. Um, I think um, it would be interesting as well to talk a little bit about the Sartamer mm-hmm. part. We haven't really discussed any of that really. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, the resins. I mean, are you there also focusing? Well, what, what we have noticed is in the consumer space, mm-hmm. you know, uh, desktop uh, SLA and DLP is exploding. People are yep. finding all sorts of ways to value engineer these machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prusa has a machine that, that, uh, that an open source machine that actually works quite mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And for the first time ever, it looks like desktop SLA is going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys, is that a focus area? Or is that something you guys are excited about? Or how do you see that? Liquid resins for, you know, I would say, uh, whether it's SLA, DLP, ink jetting, that's that's a huge focus area for us. And mm-hmm. I would say we are we have one of the broadest expertise, right? We we go all the way from uh, manufacturing these molecules, right? We can tailor the molecules, manufacture them. We have a full portfolio of building blocks that go into these resins, right? Oligomers, monomers, photo initiators, uh, additives. We have all of them in our toolbox. And uh, you may have uh, uh, read about it, but if not, we we recently acquired in December uh, a, a small boutique uh, company, uh, Colorado Photopolymer Solutions, which actually uh, specializes in, in developing uh, uh, curable formulated resins for 3D printing. So now we have internal capability that we, how do we use all the building blocks we have to really develop uh, differentiated resins customized for applications. So are we excited? Absolutely. We have a tremendous customer base uh, who is already working with us. Uh, and for, again, the, the unique part is it's it's all production grade applications. We're very few, material gets used in, in prototyping too, but uh, a lot of our customer are using uh, the resins from Sartomer for production grade applications. So do you have one of these, you know, the people are like ABS like uh, polymers <laughs> and you know, yeah. like as a substitute uh, for... <laughs> The keyword there is like, right? Uh, like, yeah, like, yeah, like. Everybody yeah, no, has no, no, an ABS like polymer. Everybody has an ABS like polymer. Right. Except right, for the price. Right. The price is right. not ABS like. Not ABS like. But do you uh, have a good one? Should I be looking at you know, um, it's, it's six big bucks a kilo. It's like ABS. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our our uh, approach uh, when it comes to liquid resins, I would say, is slightly different than how we market our powder and our uh, filament grade materials. So those are mm-hmm. more market based strategy that we have this material. We, we use it for general purpose. Anybody can use it at, uh, for any application. We obviously do custom developments. We have, uh, uh, we are working with HP, we are working with EOS to custom develop those materials. But when it comes to our next dimension resins, right, 
a huge portion of our portfolio, uh, up to like 75, 80% is actually custom resin development. Because oh, okay. uh, the, the key there is it's, it's very difficult to develop a resin that works for ev- on all printers, right? Because right. You, you look at SLA, DLP, even within a DLP family, there are so many different types of different light engines, different uh, power, different watt uh, capabilities. So we have made a conscious decision that we'll work with partners to make custom resins. So do we have resins which uh, bring in properties like that? Absolutely. Are they available for general mass market? Not right now. We, we work with the specific partners. For example, we have, um, you know, we have disclosed partnership with companies like Carbon, uh, Mighty Buildings, Adaptive, uh, 3D, uh, uh, Continuous Composites, who we are working very closely to, to so, so to say, power, you know, collaboratively power their their portfolio of material and 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 then applications. I think that's really exciting. I think it's also really exciting your go to market because I think uh, what I've been one of the things I've been really fascinated with uh, over the last let's say decade or so is to watch mm-hmm. the polymer companies enter the market. So mm-hmm. all these polymer companies are gigantic. Right? Yep. It's like all of a sudden we've got this really tiny little China store and all these gorillas, right? <laughs> they're like <laughs> huge and they're uh, in the market. And and the funny thing is like some portfolios are quite similar and some outlooks of the companies are quite similar. Other ones are very, very different. Culturally, mm-hmm. these companies are very different. Mm-hmm. And they all have a very similar business case. Everybody entered the market differently. So it's, it's, to me, it's like really fascinating to see some people are like direct, right? They sell everything through the web shop. Other people are only indirect. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are very application focused. Uh, they, they, uh, they, and other people have no idea what the people are doing. Uh, and then, and then some people are focused on the end user for some people, like they've seen their main channel as being the OEM, you know, uh-huh. what do you go, what are you guys approach to entering the market? And I think I it's think- interesting that you did a different one per, per class of material, per technology. To comment on your first question, like each company seems to have a different go-to-market strategy. And I think that is, that is totally. absolutely yeah. correct. Uh, and the reason is they are playing to their strengths, right? Every company mm-hmm. is trying to play to their strengths. Uh, our strength is, uh, is uh, on the material innovation because we actually manufacture all these materials. Like any of the materials that we have talked about today, whether it's even PEKK, RILSAN, all the next dimension resins, we are the manufacturer of those resins, right? And what we believe is one of the challenges among many others that are limiting 3D printing in, in uh, I would say mainstream applications, obviously material properties, one of them, you hit on that, right? Product reliability and repeatability, right? When I buy drum number one, not bottle number one, I'm not even talking about bottles, drum number one and drum number 400 are those product consistent are they they are exactly the same right um right. those you know can i buy the same product in us and can i buy the same product in asia those are important criterias uh, so what we are focusing on is innovating on the building block side so innovation on real new chemistries that are suited for the application but also leverage our expertise on industrialization to enable people with production grade materials, both in terms of quality, repeatability and cost. And so as a result, that's why for us to do that, right? If we are just selling uh, through our web, then then it becomes like, you know, one off materials, bottle here, bottle there, 50 bottles there maybe. Uh, our approach is we identify the leaders in the marketplace and then we partner with them. 
bringing our expertise in material innovation as well as I would say end application and leveraging their expertise in hardware, software, and, and marrying up all of them to really go and, and target a high volume application where 3D printing is uniquely suited. And we have been successful at that. It's just not like words. I know we, everybody talks about that. We have applications with uh, with some of the, the leaders like HP, US, Carbon, uh, uh, that, that we, are, we are driving those high volume applications. Yeah. And does that mean that the, 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 from a marketing perspective, like you're, you're consistently trying to reach like the OEM or the end user or, or you, you, you see the, the path to the market via the OEM just because of the customization or? Uh, the we, do both. <laughs> we, do, we do both. Actually, we, we, we work with the many end users as well and actually even consult with them to identify the right printing platforms that are suitable for their applications. Uh, so we work with uh, end users and then we work with OEMs too. So it's, it's, it's a hybrid model. I would not say it's, it's uniquely towards one or the other, uh, but we, we work with a lot of equipment companies too, because we, we believe the marriage of hardware and materials is critically important. The ecosystem solution is critically important for some end users, not all end users. They, what we are seeing as the industry is evolving, right? From going to a completely, I would say, centralized model, right? In which people will only talk to the equipment company, right? People were just mainly using for prototyping applications. That was, I would say, in early 2000s or maybe 1990s. Uh, over the last 10 years, there is transition to manufacturing. So people work, start working with the equipment manufacturer, but they know where the material solutions are or they know which other material solutions are provided, but they will still buy it as a, or, or implement it as an as a ecosystem. What we believe is as true industrialization happens, and if you look at the plastic industry, you can follow that, right? People would want to have completely decentralization. People would say, hey, I want to have, you know, printer from this, but this is the material company or a solutions company that I want to work with because I trust their ability to scale. I trust their ability to be consistent. I want this post-processing solution. And they hopefully will force or the industry will naturally evolve that they all can work together with each other. It's not that whether it's any, I would say, ancillary services, whether it's a material company or a post-processing company or a software company have to channel their technology through an equipment provider. I think that's what we believe is going to happen. And that's what we are kind of getting ready for through our innovations and through our partnerships. Because there is also a bunch of new technology. I mean, it's easy to like, you know, call AOS or call three mm -hmm. systems or somebody like that and mm -hmm. say, hey, we'd like to work, work with you. But there's also a ton of these companies that are entering the market. Now, some mm -hmm. 3D printing uh, companies have invested in them, uh, in mm -hmm. bigger companies. Yep. Other ones have invested in, in, in venturing to, to, to uh, literally like uh, fund startups. Mm -hmm. And, 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 other companies have kind of stayed away from that market because, hey, you don't know if these companies are going to be around. How, how are you guys dealing with like startup companies that ha might, you know, you might have really interesting applications, like for example, composites or that kind of mm -hmm. thing? So, so we 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 have invested in quite a few early stage companies uh, in three D printing market. Uh, our approach is we are usually we don't approach it from a, just a pure venture or equity perspective. We approach it from a strategic partnership perspective. Uh, so just to name a few because they are all like we we led the series b round for adaptive 3d uh, which is a, a very unique materials company uh, we have invested in continuous composites which is a composites company we have uh, invested in mighty buildings which is actually in the construction sector using 3d printing so we have invested very recently just actually a few weeks back we made uh, we officially launched our startup connect program 
So it, this program specializes in, in really allowing Arkema to join forces with the early stage startups which have unique advanced material or is uh, developing new technology in one of the you know few emerging markets that 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 we are focusing on like uh, you know uh, 3d printing batteries composites just to name a few not not uh, not, right. not a very comprehensive list and now we have actually have a platform where we can engage with these companies and they can leverage our our expertise technical expertise as well as resource support to drive that so to answer your question, Joris, we, we, we have invested in the past and now we actually recently have a, a, a platform to do it in a more uh, open way that anybody can approach us. That's, that's very exciting. And, and where do you hope to be in a couple of years with Archimand in, in 3D printing? What's your, your goal for that, for the business? So I'll, so, so I'll start with what, where Archimand needs to be and, and then I'll, I'll kind of end it with, with where, where, where we think uh, 3D printing. So Archima <laughs> is a specialty material company, right? We, we have already made our, our 2024 goal that we want to be a pure specialty player uh, with, with, you know, somewhere around 10 to 11 billion euros in sales. What we are trying to do is we, our growth strategy is innovation towards sustainable solutions uh, for, for really specialty markets, right? And we are go to, going to get there through innovation and, and acquisitions too, right? Because we, we, we are grateful that we have a very strong uh, uh, financial portfolio that we can go after acquisitions and CPS in the, though a smaller one in, in 3D printing is just one of the examples. Um, for 3D printing, our goal is, again, as I mentioned before, is to work with industry leaders, right? They could be equipment providers, they could be end users because we do not bring all the expertise. What we bring is we bring tremendous expertise in material innovation and industrialization of material, make production grade materials. So we partner with these people trying to get to the end application. So our goal is that with the differentiated portfolio we have, right? You look at whether it's liquid resins, whether it's powders, whether it's filaments, we can actually have, being a materials company, we can have a material agnostic approach with our partners, right? When an end user comes to us with an application, we don't have to be the hammer looking for a nail and say, hey, uh, you have to solve this problem through powder-based uh, materials. We would can look into our whole portfolio of technology, whether it's liquid resins, whether it's powders or filament and say, what is the best 3D printing technology that fits your application and let's go after that. And that is something that I would say is very unique and differentiated about us. Cool, cool, cool. Hmm. So, yeah, Sumit, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Thank you for being on the 3D pod. Absolutely, it's my pleasure and honor. And again, uh, again, you guys doing a, a great, you know, work in in uh, asking some very probing and I would say thoughtful questions. And and uh, I would say uh, encouraging the the newcomers as well as experts to learn more about what's going on in industry. So thanks for having me over. All right, thank you. And yeah, Max, thank you again for being on the Three D Pod. Yeah, yeah, always interesting. Thank you, Joris. All right, man. And it was a pleasure being here. My name is Joris Peels, and I was here again uh, with uh, Sumit Jain of Arkema and Maxwell Vogue of 3Doodler on the 3D Pod. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.